When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. The Dolphins coaching search has continued, and it looks like they're getting a lot closer to a candidate. Word out of Miami is that after the New England Patriots are eliminated from the playoffs, or if they win the Super Bowl, then Brian Flores will end up being the next Miami Dolphins head coach. That's at least the word on the street. The Dolphins have interviewed a lot of candidates. They've interviewed Darren Rizzi, the special teams coach. They interviewed Chris Richard, who Paul and I thought was going to be the head coach, one that we were very excited about last week. But it looks like Flores is going to be the Dolphins' next head coach, Paul. So I know we talked about last week. I compared his hire to just kind of like a fart in the wind as far as the impact. And you were talking about putting him on the Coke bus. So has your uh, stance softened a little bit since last week? It has when I've done a little bit more homework. I mean, I'm I'm not 100% sold on the guy, but it sounds like he's really working towards building a good staff. I mean, my biggest hope is that this isn't part of this whole tank for Tua movement that's out there because I think there's better options, but I know we're going to get into that in a later show. Um, But yeah, no, I've softened a little bit on it. It could potentially be a good hire, but there's a lot of unknowns with this one. Yeah, and this is a show, quite honestly, that I have to find find a way to kind of trudge through for our fans because I like talking about games. I like talking about players because I can actually look at it and tell you how good they've done or how well I expect them to do. Not the case with the first-time head coach in Brian Flores. He's been around the Patriots organization for a while, since 2004, everywhere from a scouting assistant to secondary coach, linebacker coach, and he was defensive coordinator this past year as well. And he did take credit for that Miami miracle game, but don't discount a couple of things with him too. Is You look at 2017 – when the Patriots had Matt Patricia, who went on to be a head coach, they were 29th in yards. Brian Flores' defense with relatively the same players jumped to 11th in, in total yardage. And you look at the rush and the pass statistics, too, the Patriots' defense was ranked better. They went from 20th to 11th in rush stats, 31st to 25th in pass stats, too. So this was a defense that with relatively the same personnel, did better 
than they did in 2017 with Matt Patricia. So I don't know what to make of this, but what I do like, Paul, too, is that I saw a couple of interviews with him as well. It looks like he does have a little bit of a presence, too, something I couldn't say for our last two head coaches. Yeah, speaking of presence, holy crap. I just got to mention this for like a second here. I know a lot of Dolphins fans, I know a lot of Jets fans are, are laughing and joking about this. But this past week, the Jets had their introductory press conference with Adam Spaceman Gase. And, you know, I heard everything from he looked like a, a kid who accidentally took Molly at a concert to it looked like two aliens were opposing each other playing puppeteer with his body. I don't know what was going on with Gase in that freaking interview, but Jesus, he sat down for half a second and was already like all over the place, flopping his head about and, and just what a bunch of ridiculousness that was. Yeah, and I, the Jets fans better hope that this guy does well in New York very quickly because they're, the New York media is not going to deal with him putting his Jets hat down and staring at the floor, and which is big contrast to you know what he was doing in this past interview and just basically telling him that telling everybody that he's the smartest guy in the room and he other reporters don't know as much as him that's not going to jive well with the new york media that's why i think this is a terrible fit to begin with it intensifies the dolphins rivalry even more and it also t intensifies here the patriots dolphins rivalry with brian flores if he ends up being the dolphins head coach so some good and some bad. So what I don't like, Paul, is number one, I feel like the Dolphins had all the cards lined up for Chris Richard to be that next head coach. I thought he brought a lot of fire, a lot more personality, and I liked more as a coaching candidate. I also don't like that when you look at the Belichick coaching tree, Romeo Cornell, Eric Mangini, Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels, the biggest weasel of them all, not a lot of uh, success there, but then again, maybe he can end up being a little bit more like Bill O'Brien of the Texans. He really could, and he's got a lot of personnel experience as well, which is intriguing. And I, I'm going to dive down another rabbit hole real quick, which was quietly under the radar this week. I'm going to give CK a little bit of credit here, Chris Kaufman, who we've had on our show numerous times. I'm going to throw some names out before I throw this name out. Pat Mahomes, Tyree Kill. Kareem Hunt, Chris Jones, Marcus Peters, D. Ford, Eric Fisher, Travis Kelsey, Zach Fulton, Morse, Conley, Steve Nelson, and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. Those are all players that were drafted with Marvin Allen as the director of scouting for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's come on in a capacity as the assistant GM to Chris Greer. Given what Chris Greer has already done with the draft, I'm ridiculously excited for what these two could potentially bring to the table, putting a roster together here as we move forward over the next couple of years. Yes. Very good observation on, on him because that's how you win in the NFL. And I, I post, I tweeted something about this that I looked at the bears last five drafts where football is not that hard. I keep saying it all the time. You draft two or three starters in every draft. If, if you're, front office is good enough and then you take the quarterback when that quarterback is available that's what the bears have done that's how they got themselves from a team that had absolutely nothing to one that won 12 games this year yeah they didn't win in the playoffs but those victories should, should be coming ahead pretty quickly too so you've got that and you've also got jim caldwell who should be joining the team 
in 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 some role with the organization that's still going to be defined. But what I like is it appears that all of these guys are going to be on the same page where it didn't seem that way in previous years where you've got Chris Greer as the GM in the front office. And it seems like he was the fourth most important guy in the room. Yeah, completely. And uh, I'm telling you, you look at what Greer's done with the draft over the past few years, Laramie Tunsil, uh, Jakeem Grant. You look at what he's done in free agency with guys like Albert Wilson. You look at that running back stable that Miami has has right now. I'm sorry. If you get these two putting their heads together, looking at players as they go along here, and you draft, say, Kyler Murray with like your formula you were just saying, I don't think it's a tank year this year. I think it could be a hell of a surprising year for a lot of folks, and somebody better go out and put a few bucks on that 300 to 1 odds that Vegas has of Miami winning the Super Bowl next year. Oh, uh, well, it, maybe. Well, no, I, maybe. I see, but but here, here's my here's my thing about it is, I want the Dolphins to have two pathways to be successful. Where this year, whatever roster they put together, if you know. Get responsible. Resign your own players. Don't go out and try to chase the Robert Quinns out there in the market. And if you do yeah. that, I think you can pull together a team that could surprise some people. But if they don't, then you still are going to be drafting high the following year, which is good, too. So you have two different pathways to win. That's why I did, what I didn't like about this Cannonbaum-led regime is that y- – I know the team is not going to win more than eight or nine games this year. They ended up winning or this past year, they ended up winning seven. And then you turn around the following year. You don't have a lot of cap money. You don't have more draft picks and you're right back from where you started. So that's why I like that the dolphins are focused on actually building something here and getting everybody on the same page. Yeah, they, they definitely seem focused on building a dynasty here, uh, which is finally a good approach. It's the, the Tannenbaum method is if you hit, you hit big, but if you miss, you're devastated for years. And even if you hit, it's not sustainable. And and that's a huge turnabout for this Miami front office now. And they're in position to really turn it around quickly. They've got a lot of young studs. They've got a lot of young talent, thanks to Chris Greer. And they've got the opportunity to continue to develop those guys. Uh, if Brian Flores can be halfway decent as a head coach, those guys are going to put talent on that roster for him for him to play with. And with guys like Jim Caldwell, uh, I know we're here in Biolemma as a possibility. They could potentially really bring these guys along in a hurry. And, and if Flores falls flat on his face, it's going to be very apparent very quickly with the talent that they have and that I expect them to have moving forward. Well, two things that you mentioned there. Number one, I think Mike Tannenbaum's approach was – very simply, hey, we think this player wasn't good the last three years simply because they didn't know how to use them like we know how to use them, which is a stupid way to think. Mario Williams, Robert Quinn, Kiko Alonso, Byron Maxwell, Ted Larson. You can go down the list where, I mean, over a span of two or three years, spending an incredible amount of money on players who weren't good the year before and – are set for life already because they had been successful at some point in their career. This is what happens with now you've got Chris Greer in charge. If he does stay true to his draft roots 
and stockpile picks. This is what happens in the NFL when you can stockpile draft picks. 2016, nobody nobody expected Xavier Howard to be that good as as he is now, but he is, and he was the best player on the board when they took him. They traded up for him. Then the you know two years later, Mika Fitzpatrick falls to that spot. Now you may have two franchise defensive backs. That's what happens when you let the talent come to you in the NFL draft. That's what I hope that they do here moving forward with their front office. You also said too, Paul, the uh, the Arkansas former Arkansas head coach Brian uh, Bialema. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, Bialema. Bialema. It's either. There's talk about him being the defensive coordinator, but it also seems that the favorite right now is Packers inside linebacker coach Patrick Graham. They're gonna we're gonna work out these details after Brian Flores presumably becomes the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. His background: he worked with Flores from 2009 to 2015 in New England. Like with Flores, he was all over the defense. He went from being a coaching assistant to a linebacker coach in 2011 to defensive line coach in 2012 and 2013, moved back to linebacker coach in 2014. He also had a two-year stint with the Giants. And then last year was the Packers inside linebacker coach and running game coordinator. So a lot there. And But at inside linebacker, what I like is that he's taken a couple of players in Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez, former fourth-round picks, and turned them into really good players too, Paul. So – Anything is better than this Bengals defensive coordinator nonsense we've had over the last few years. Yeah, the Bengals defensive coordinators haven't worked for the Bengals. They haven't worked for the Broncos. They certainly haven't worked for the Dolphins. And this pussyfoot bend but don't break half prevent defense, which I have to call it based on how far off the the receivers we, we've seen the corners year in and year out hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on anything near you that's made out of wood and hope that we don't see more of that same old garbage. I don't like prevent in garbage time, let alone when you've got your cornerbacks playing prevent depth during the first quarter of a game. So, yeah, it's disgusting to me, and hopefully we see that end here and now and see an aggressive but fun defense. Two things I'm looking forward to is I'm I'm – thinking that if Flores learned anything from his time in New England is that we're going to see a lot of different looks on the front seven, and I've been dying for that. Don't yeah. line up the same players in every spot every time. That That's what the Dolphins' mantra has been with this Kevin Coyle, Vance Joseph, Matt Burke bullshit that's been going on for the last six, seven years. So I like that he's bringing more versatility with him from his time in New England. Also, a lot of New England Patriot free agents on defense are going to hit the open market. The biggest name is Trey Flowers. Defensive end, 26 years old, should command a lot of money. Even though I'm not big on free agents for the Dolphins, big name ones, he's 26 years old. He actually could be around when the Dolphins do turn this thing around. So he's somebody to keep an eye out for. We'll get into the other free agents as that time approaches. But Paul, uh, Kind of bad news as of right now. It could turn out to be good news, though, with the way things are going. It looked like the Dolphins were going to lose Darren Rizzi for a while. They still might. He did interview with the Green Bay Packers. He didn't leave with a contract. It And he did say to Adam Gase and the New York Jets to go stick it. So 
it doesn't look like a whole heck of a lot of other options out there for Rizzi. Do you think he comes back and it becomes the Dolphins special teams coach here for, I believe, a 10th season? I sure as hell hope so. I mean, and again, I'm going to go back to the Marvin Allen, Chris Greer thing. Greer's already brought in a bunch of small, quick, exciting guys that can do some fun things. And I can see a special teams coach like Darren Rizzi really having a field day with the type of guys that we've seen uh, already get brought in. And I think we're going to see more of, so really, I, I, I love Darren Rizzi. I love the fire that he brings. I, I like the fact that he's going to have an intense coach to play off of. So we could see even more big eyed Rizzi on the sidelines, losing his mind. If somebody misses an assignment and I hope we see that for, for literally decades to come. It's, I would love if Darren Rizzi was a lifelong dolphin. Me too. And going back to Flores one last time is, I don't think anybody knows what to expect out of Flores. First time head coach, but he certainly does look the part. He talks the part. And as a defensive coordinator last year with the Patriots, this is a unit that certainly played above their talent level. So that's good on paper. And I think also too, with a first time head coach like this, you look at Steve Wilkes, from Arizona last year, where the Air, the Cardinals were rebuilding a little bit, ended up going 3-13. and 13. They fired their head coach after a first year. I think that with Flores' background, you can make an early determination if this guy doesn't have it. And you can yeah. let, it, let him go if it does. I mean, I, I don't want to think that way, but but it's the truth, where you can let him go – and he's a head coach that is, doesn't require maybe a three, four, five-year commitment that you really need something to grow like a Chris Richard may have, may have taken. Uh, do you agree with that, or is that, you know, am I going down a wrong path here? No, it, it's uh, – and I think that that kind of alludes to something I was saying earlier where the talent that I expect to be on the field, it, it, it should be readily apparent it's I hate when the talent isn't out there for you to really make a call on a coach, good or bad. I mean, Gase had the talent level on this team to be able to show a lot more than he did um, and to utilize in ways more than he did. And that was part of the problem. And that's part of why Adam Gase is gone. And, you know, I have a gut feeling with Mike Tannenbaum having less involvement, obviously, and Chris Greer, really calling the shots now. And with Marvin Allen assisting him there, this is a team that's going to be able to put the talent on the field that you can get a true evaluation of of your coach, of your offensive coordinator, of your defensive coordinator, and actually be able to assess what you've got there. So no, you're not off base at all. It's, you know, it should be readily apparent within the first one to two years, whether Brian Flores has what it takes or does not. Yeah, and you look back at the last, at least as long as I've been a Dolphins fan for the last 20 years, the only rebuild I thought that was moderately successful was Jimmy Johnson when he when he came in, cut everything from top to bottom, stockpiled draft picks, and came away with 10 or 11 draft picks in every year that turned into Zach Thomas's and to Jason Taylor's, and that's kind of how it goes in the draft sometimes, where the more cracks you get, the more chances you're going to get to get good players. And I hope that Chris Greer and the rest of the front office takes the Dolphins in that direction now that they're in charge. Because I hated it before. I, I could not stand, you know, this. I, I thought, going back to what you said, I thought the talent was overrated. 
And I thought Adam Gaze made it worse. And it was shocking that they did win seven games. But you see how they won them, too. I mean, look at how much had to happen in the first three games for them to beat the Raiders and then later in the year to beat the Patriots and to beat the Bears in Miami. I mean, they they very easily could have been a three- or four-win team last year. They could have, but then I'll take the opposite side of the coin. I mean, there was that big, you know, four or five game derailment with Brock Osweiler, quarterback. And think what you will of Ryan Tannehill to our listeners out there, but it was a far worse offense with Brock Osweiler at the helm than it was with Ryan Tannehill if you remove the final game of the year. Um, It was a five-game, mostly dumpster fire with Brock Osweiler at the helm. And that's where, you know, it makes it even more surprising that they won seven games. But, you know, it's the fact that they did, I'm not upset with at all. I'd rather win than lose, no matter the scenario. Don't run any tank for Tua past me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we'll have to agree to disagree on there for sure, because, uh, you know, I don't see a game where Osweiler played. And again, it's the last time I'll, I'll even bring it up. Is I don't see a game Osweiler played that if Tannehill had been there, I, I still don't feel like we would have won any of those games. Otherwise, yeah. But it, you, still, I mean, when you look at the overall team this year it, and how we project it to be, at least this year if the Dolphins do win seven or seven games or eight games, it could end up – being a pleasant surprise and think, okay, maybe we have enough pieces here to move forward. And then we'll get the quarterback when we get the quarterback. The other side of that is, okay, well, you know, we're, we won three or four games. We're as bad as we thought we were, uh, you know, the year before now we're picking them the top three in a, in a year in 2020 and probably 2021. That's going to be very, very heavy at the quarterback spot, at least as it projects here today, but we have a lot of time to get into the quarterback position coming up so listeners be sure to tune in here over the next week we're going to take a high level look at the quarterback spot we're going to break down positions in free agency and in the draft as the season goes on be sure to subscribe to our channel on youtube we're getting a lot of traffic there now we appreciate everything from our listeners be sure to follow us on facebook on twitter on spreaker itunes youtube iHeartRadio, and on spotify Check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. Be sure to tweet at us, too, if anything's on your mind. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.